Have you ever been gaming or working online classes and your internet service constantly gets interrupted? First Nations Fiber is about to ensure that just won't happen again. Get ready for high speed at a new level. Click on fnfiber.com and sign up today. First Nations Fiber, empowering people through connectivity. And welcome to Guagardaduni, the Gunawagi Tourism Podcast, the very first episode. We're joined by Kimberly Cross Zachary and Trevor Dibo from Gunawagi Tourism. Uh, welcome. Gwee. Gwee. Thanks for having us. Thanks for, for coming and to Yuriguze to to do this podcast series. Uh, so it should be a, a very uh, informative series uh, to take place over the next year. So we're very excited about this. Can we get an introduction of, of, of who you guys are and, and uh, a little bit more information about Gunawagi Tourism? Sure. So uh, I guess I'll start off. Um, Trevor Daibo, I am the interim tourism development agent. Um, right now, I am currently the supervisor in the office. Um, so basic everyday tasks, um, just making sure that Kanawage tourism uh, continues business as usual, making sure that everything flows properly. Um, yeah. So great, Kimberly Ganyadahoe Cross Yajats. Uh, that's my name, and I uh, I am the tourism development manager at Ganawaga Tourism. I'm currently on a leave of absence. Uh, Trevor's filling in for me, thankfully, and I'm I'm currently studying at the Ganyagahaga Ungorana Erdadijokwa Erdadiwanehnir. That's language program for Ganyagaha language. Um, so that's a two year program. So my role at Ganawage Tourism, I began when we first started this initiative in 2013. So that's almost 10 years ago. And we've been, you know, our team spearheading the movement for tourism development in every single aspect, which we hope to really dive into in this podcast series. And so right now I'm, I'm working with our team uh, throughout the summer and I'll be helping them with all the special projects and helping onboard because we have so many new team members that will be coming on this summer. So onboarding those team members. Yeah, making sure everything's running smoothly as well, like Trevor said, and doing fun things like this podcast. <laughs> I think people are familiar with Gunawaga Tourism, but maybe they're not quite familiar with what Gunawaga Tourism does. So, so can we, you give us, uh, you know, I guess a brief overview of some of the things that, that you guys do. Yeah. Our main activities are running the Welcome Center. So for those who aren't aware, the Gahnawage Welcome Center is located in the heart of the village of Gahnawage, uh, right next to Cattery Hall and sharing the same parking lot as the Gahnawage Youth Center. So in that office, we act as our local information office for any visitors or locals coming through. We provide um, maps to the community, which have all the local businesses, all the local attractions. We also coordinate many, many tours within the community. And that's something that we, we started uh, maybe six or seven years ago um, because we saw the demand and there wasn't uh, any uh, organizations or community members really taking that lead and that action to coordinate, you know, our tours that were coming to the community. So we, we began doing that and, and it's really taken off and, um, we've had such good feedback from our visitors, um, uh, from a lot of community members as well. And they visit, uh, the welcome center. They do a tour of the historical village area. They visit the St. Kateri shrine and the interpretive center for Kateri de Kakwita. 
And then the Ganyagahaga Ungawana Rautijakwa Language and Cultural Center Museum as well. So we work um, on that a lot. We have a coordinator specifically for those visits. We coordinate a lot of events. Uh, so we hope to share within the community, with our visitors, our culture through these special events that we plan. So we do food fests. And those are, like I said, all around our culture. So all around food, because everything we do in our culture involves food. Um, and around our ceremony. So we have a maple fest, we have the strawberry fest, we have a corn fest and a harvest fest. And, you know, we're always looking to expand those. And we participate in various different community activities and then different projects within the community that might be related to tourism Um like working on the recreational bay area, working on signage within the community. So we have um, a musical park project in the works. Um, we're hoping to put that near the Quebec Bridge Memorial. We're also hoping to have a longhouse built. Um, that's another project we're doing with some community members. And hopefully that will actually bring in more tourists who can you know, learn more about our culture because we do have certain things that they can see. There's some activities for them, but this will just add to our repertoire. And yeah, we also attend events that are international. We've been to Winnipeg for the ITAC conference this year, as well as Ottawa for a conference. Uh, we we travel everywhere um, just to kind of, you know, stay in the loop with anything tourism related uh, within the industry. And yeah. And I think a lot of Indigenous communities are looking to Kahnawake tourism at our development and how, how far we've come in, in the 10 years and what we're doing. And, you know, we base a lot of what we're doing on community engagement and making sure that we're not growing at this huge speed where we're going to um, really, you know, affect the environment and where it's going to be too many people in our residential areas. You know, we don't want that. So we're looking at activities that are going to make sure visitors are in certain locations, that our residents are safe, our visitors are safe, and that we're sharing and that we're not overdoing it as well. So we're sharing properly. We're creating a tourism advisory board this year, uh, hoping to get a good collective of community members who can really steer us in the right direction. But yeah, I hope that we can really get into all of this, you know, during this series and so people can learn a lot more. Why is it important for, for tourism to, to happen in our community? Well, I think, you know, I laugh, I joke about this with the, a lot of the Indigenous tourism uh, industry colleagues that I have and you know, as Ungwehunwe people, we were one of the first tourism industry workers, <laughs> weren't we? <laughs> so, uh, we started it all. You know, when the settlers came from Europe and they were here, who welcomed them to our shores? You know, who uh, showed them around and shared our culture to begin with? You know, and, and, we're, and we're like, welcome to China, which is why it's machine. <laughs> We're the Indians. No, we laugh about that stuff within the industry because it's it's true. You know, we've been doing this for a real long time and we're pretty good at it. So, you know, one of the really, really important things about tourism is it's not just about making money, as a lot of people might think. I mean, that's one of the benefits. But it's about really connecting with others and being able to practice your culture every single day and be really proud to share it 
like one for myself, just going on tours and learning about history within our community, like every single day at work, I'm learning something new. And it really, really solidifies so much internal pride and community pride. And I can see it moving forward where a lot of people are able to make, you know, maybe a living off of practicing our own culture, you know, getting back to that and not relying on modern jobs so much. Yeah. So, I mean, as Kim said, uh, boosting the local economy is, you know, one of the main objectives. Um, we try to send tourists to local restaurants, to boutiques, um, to certain organizations that have activities like Relam and Fishing. Uh, we've recently been working with them lately. Um, we try to educate tourists as much as possible. Um, we came up with the term edutainment to both educate and entertain tourists because we find that it's not just about keeping them interested, but we also need to educate them because the education system has failed our people. You know, people come here with certain views that may be wrong. They may not know anything at all about our culture. So we just kind of have to share what we know just to change the narrative a little bit. Yeah. And it's not just the Canadian system either. You know, it's all around. It's international. We have visitors coming in from Germany, from France, from Africa, who, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, we have these books and it talks about the Indians and all these things that happen. And then they come and and then he's like, and now I'm here and and I meet you. And it's not the same, but they had similar things happen to them, you know, within the different empires and quotation marks can't see my fingers <laughs> but that went around the world you know and and did so much you know genocide and you know cultural genocide as well throughout the whole world so we see those similarities with a lot of our visitors that are coming in from around the world that you know it's not it didn't happen to just us and then we connect with other Ungwehuwe people and it's so nice you know to have that extended family of Ungwehuwe and uh, yeah, it's really cool. You know, the, the tourism industry has a lot of potentials and we're exploring all the different ways that we can make that happen in Gahnawage for what we need. So tourism, it's about part of it is economic development. Part of it is, is teaching history as, as people are coming in and, and, and relearning about who we are. Right. And Quebec uh, Indigenous Affairs Minister Ian Lafreniere at, at a recent press conference unveiling uh, a public art uh, installation in Montreal and even talking about the new cultural center building that's going to be going up said that a recent survey of Quebecers say, saying that nearly 90% of Quebecers want to learn about, you know, indigenous people because their, their education system doesn't do anything, any justice. Right. And, and I mean, for the longest time, uh, most of the, most of the, curriculum just you know puts us as uh as as the iroquois and, and and as as the as the enemy right and mm -hmm. and i have francophone friends who grew up being told horror stories that the mean iroquois were going to steal them at night uh so you know it's uh we have to battle that those did you tell them that our stories say that the the francophone guy is going to come <laughs> no we said the actual history we said the rcp came and steal our kids <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really neat, you know, the, that we're able to do that. And we have so many um, schools that are reaching out to us and we've we've kind of diverted our attention to 
creating these um, school itineraries for school groups to come in as a class or a whole grade and do our tour. And we we make it really kid friendly because our tour at the beginning was more like for adults that were coming in. And we don't have that many children's activities within the community that are like fun for just like a walk in tourist. Like I wouldn't do it with my family for the day, spending a day in, in museums. So we really cater to those school groups and we add in like a, a lacrosse demonstration. We teach them how to play lacrosse and the importance in the history or they'll do um like a souvenir making workshop where they've done little uh, bookmarks made out of black ash. This was before we had like the black ash borer uh, wipe out a lot of our ash. We've done where they made rattles with various different artisans in the community. So we really, we reach out as far as we can and we, we take the skills that we have and the people who are willing to do it and share and, and want to make that extra, you know, income by doing this. And, and it's really been so, so effective. Uh, we have so many school groups calling us end of year and beginning of the year to come. And it's picked up so much. Even one of our tour guides is uh, Dwayne Stacy. He was our part-time tour guide last year. And the New Frontier School Board picked him up. And he's their Indigenous advisor, yep. I think is his title. And so he works for New Frontier School Board and goes helps the classes incorporate more Indigenous anything into their curriculum or coordinates the visits here into Kahnawage or into other sites, like maybe the, the drooler site where they have the um, archaeology and the longhouse there. See, it shows how people want to learn and they want to really do it genuinely and respectfully. So, it, you know, it's opening up all these different doors for our people. And you're talking about different activities that tourism is involved with mm -hmm. or, or tourism related events in the community and, and there's a couple of big ones coming up. Oh yeah. So um, I guess the first one would be the powwow, which will be July 8th and 9th. Last year we had, you know, the most tourists come in at roughly 16,000. That number may actually increase this year, um, seeing as, you know, COVID kind of disappeared off the radar now. And because we're doing so much more advertising, we may actually see, you know, closer to 20,000. And that's double what we've seen in previous years, you know, so. Uh, yeah, usually we'd like get around 8,000 on the weekend and we doubled our size in last year, which was, was amazing and frightening at the same time. <laughs> There's so many people. <laughs> it was packed. It was. It was insane. And it was hot. It, it, we had great weather and like knock on wood, I'm not going to knock because the mics are going to pick it all. <laughs> but knock on wood that this year, you know, we we have great weather again. Yeah, planning has been going on and the site has been prepped for a few months now. Like the the workers have been getting it going and, you know, it's it's really a, a huge event. It's a nice event. Um, you know, when people ask me, you know, what's my favorite part about powwow? And I'm like, oh, I get to see my family. <laughs> and they laugh at me. They're like, you lived down the road. I'm like, yeah, but <laughs> sometimes you only see your cousins at powwow. <laughs> but then you see your extended family, some some people who come in. And, you know, it's it's just a nice time where we all get to gather and, and spend that time together. And I think one of the you know, newest attractions, I guess, if you want to call it, um, would be Preston Jacobs mm -hmm. longhouse display. So there's a little bit of a joke that it's a, a short longhouse. Um, <laughs> so he, he doesn't really like hearing that, but, uh, it's, 
It's very good. It's very well done. Everybody that came in last year to take a look just absolutely loved it. A lot of the community members were, you know, in complete awe and they they want to see it again. So we're hoping to have that longhouse display again this year. It's going to be there. It's going to okay. be there. So it's been confirmed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're just, we're, you know, we're, we're praying for good weather that he can set it up and it'll be ready for the Friday night social. It it really, I think it added such um like a Haudenosaunee point of view to our powwow because powwows are powwows, you know, they're all over the place. And yeah, it's pan-Indian. It's not really it's not highlight of any, any, any one specific culture, right? No. So it, like for our powwow, it's nice because we add in the smoke dance, which is ours and we have that competition. But having the longhouse really, really made such a difference and really, really made it that it was... You know, it was ours. This is Ganawake's power now. So I think we're going to have to get Preston for a while. <laughs> Preston, are you listening? <laughs> yeah, and, and powwow is one of those things, right, that that it, it is the biggest tourist attraction the community has every year. Mm-hmm. And it's not just about, you know, making making money. Mm-hmm. It, it's about educating and, and informing, our, you know, the surrounding communities about who we are, right? Yeah, and the whole, um, the whole point of, why the power began was to commemorate the 1990 Oka crisis and to remind us, you know, of our resilience, our strength, and to remain in peace, you know, in, in friendship with our neighbors and with our our fellow Ungohuma people. So, it, you know, every year to keep doing it, it brings back that reminder. Like you said, it's not just about making money, you know, there's a deeper meaning. One of the other events that you guys are planning mm-hmm. uh, for, for the month of July is the Strawberry Food Fest. Yeah. So for that, it's usually a month long event as most of our, I guess, if you want to call them fests, not festival. The Strawberry Food Fest takes place the entire month of July. We actually reach out to local businesses to see if they're interested in participating. So we offer free promotions. We advertise for them throughout the community, throughout the entire month. And basically, we just ask that they have something that's related to strawberries. So whether it be strawberry juice, a strawberry dessert, maybe even a strawberry meal. A lot of people do like a strawberry mush, strawberry salads, and strawberry rhubarb pie. It's almost lunchtime. Let's <laughs> 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 we'll see what everybody has. But it's, um, yeah, it's like a play on using our traditional foods in like a modern way or showcasing our traditional foods as well. Okay. And, you know, besides those two big events, what else do you guys have planned for the next few months? Yeah. So part of our Strawberry Food Fest this year is we're starting our first actual live event on July 22nd. And that's going to be similar to our Corn Fest. And if nobody's been to that, well, it's like a mini powwow, I say. So we have craft vendors, we have food vendors. We do a little bit of like a dance demonstration. People can get in and dance. And we talk about the importance of that typical food that we're talking about. So in this one, it'll be strawberries. So we might do like a strawberry juice making workshop or a strawberry mush making workshop. What we use strawberries for, what the importance is in our culture and how it's tied to our culture. Those were created, the food fests, um, in a way that we could share our ceremonies with visitors without actually having the ceremony, because that is for us. And we don't want to, like I said before, we don't want to overshare we don't want to appropriate ourselves, you know, in our culture. And so we really want to make sure that what we're doing is proper. So having this small event 
where anybody's invited and we're sharing as much as we can in a respectful manner uh, in a fun way too. Okay. Is there anything else you guys want to add? Oh, I don't know. We talked about so much. I just hope that people enjoy listening to our first uh, podcast. You know, we're excited to do this. We want to do uh, a monthly series and we're going to be talking about various different topics, different projects we are working on. We want to bring in special guests from locally, but also from the indigenous tourism industry. So, you know, our community can really learn what it is that we're doing and where we can get and the support that we have. As always, like we're always approachable too. So we always hope that community members will call us and tell us what they think, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> you know, it, it, any opinion is, is somebody's opinion and we want to take that seriously. And how we grow is based on what the community wants. So, you know, our office is always, almost always open. Like we have regular business hours. We have email. We have our phone number, which can all be found also on Facebook or our website. So there's like various ways to contact us. And we always at our events too. We're very approachable. Like come and talk to us. And uh, yeah, we hope that people listen and come take a tour too. Honestly, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, uh, it's open to community members as well because we try to put it out there that, you know, maybe there's some community members that don't understand what we do, what we teach people, uh, like what kind of tours we actually give. So if you're ever interested in taking a tour, just book one online with us, give us a call, send us an email. And, you know, we're always open to guests, uh, whether you be from the community or outside the community. Yeah, because so. no matter how old you are, what your experience is, there's something you're going to learn. Yeah. I guarantee it for sure. Um, and we don't we don't just focus on like the the main histories. You know, our our tour guides they tell stories. We're storytellers. Very what else personal. Are we do? <laughs> yeah. So, and I mean, when once everybody knows who our tour guides are, they're gonna be like, oh yeah, those are storytellers. <laughs> <laughs> and I hope we can bring them into to this series, and maybe they can tell some stories at some point. So you know, not so it's just all business all the time, and you know, really. We want to make it where this is a, a tourism office that's owned by the community and we're doing things for the community. Okay, great. And now go Zilgwego for listening and uh, tune in again next month where we'll be talking more, more of our stories with Kwakarladuni, uh, the Ganaway Tourism Podcast. The views and opinions of the guests expressed in this podcast do not reflect those of your DWSA and its employees.